Please prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a I'm Grace Bella Harmon, board-certified dance movement therapist and embodied grief guide. Body Grieves, Spirit Calls is an open exploration of the connection between grief, embodiment, and spirituality. I believe the grieving is an inherently sacred process that deserves and requires its own attention and energy to fully integrate. Through personal stories, reflections, and interviews, I seek to highlight the ways in which grief can bring us home to our bodies and to a deeper connection with the spirit that holds us all. Hello and welcome back. I'm so happy you're here and I'm really looking forward to sharing this incredibly deep and nourishing conversation that I had with Nicole Granati. She is a spiritual counselor, a psychic minister, and teacher focused on the relationship we as spirit have with our bodies. She is the owner of Spiritual Hello, where she guides people in recognizing and using their own abilities to heal, create, and enjoy life. Spiritual Hello is a place for you to embrace and create with the power of your own energy and magic. Nicole offers readings, ceremonies, and support for all stages of life and the places in between. She is based in Los Angeles, California, where she hosts women's circles, performs as a musician, and tends to her garden. And I will leave her Instagram, Spiritual Hello, and her website, spiritualhello.com, in the show notes, along with this recording. This conversation is really deep medicine. Um, It was for me. I certainly hope it is for you. Nicole is truly a wealth of wisdom and story medicine. Um, And we get into a lot of things that aren't usually talked about in relationship to the grieving process, including the role of levity and humor as a spiritual practice, the ability that we have to create our own grief experience, our own life, and the way that grief leads to and relates to creativity. Um, Nicole shares her practice for both connecting with grief in her body and letting grief live outside of her body. Um, And she shares her stories of carrying her own multiple griefs at once. Um, both grief that is expected and grief that is more stigmatized and how she has walked with this journey with these griefs in her own body. Um, Just a brief note that we do talk about um, 
homicide and rape, not in detail, but these things are mentioned. Um, again, not in any specific detail, um, but just to know for yourself if these are things that are hard um, for you in this moment. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you and I hope that it serves you in some way. I do want to share as well that for the patrons of this podcast at any level, so both the $3 a month level and the $15 a month level, um, Nicole is offering a coupon um, for 15% off of a 60-minute spiritual counseling session. Um, and as you'll hear, she has a lot of different expertise and wisdom, so I will leave that code um, on my Patreon page, and if you would like to take advantage of it and support the show, you are most welcome to do so. All of that information is in the show notes as well. Finally, I do want to just share that um, I am opening a container called Yoni Alchemy for Grief Transformation, and I'm opening it on the full moon or around the full moon in September, um, and registration closes on September 2nd. So it's related in a lot of ways to some of the things that Nicole and I talk about, especially the difficulty of being alone in grief and the need to seek out community because this is a sacred container. Um, and we'll meet for four months long at the full moon and the new moon of each month. Um, and it'll be a really beautiful really powerful space for um, anyone who is ready to really step into their power. Um, so if you're a grieving person with a yoni, you're most welcome to join. And I'll leave the information for that in the show notes as well. Okay, let's get into this deep and beautiful conversation with Nicole Granati. Right. Welcome, Nicole. It's so good to have you. <laughs> Thank you, Grace. Very happy to be here. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to diving into your story and all of your magic and wisdom. Um, and I'd love to just start with the question, how is your grief living in your body in this moment? Um, I feel like I've been doing kind of a good job and interestingly, letting my grief kind of be outside my body mm. and like giving it a place to go, um, much, much like a grief altar, but more of like, um, like, like a something that I imagine a space that I imagine that's kind of like outside of my aura and that grief energy can like go there and be there and I can go and sort of experience my body without it mm -hmm. and like 
that has really been helping me to, to recognize like when I am feeling grief, does that make sense? It's like, if I'm not constantly feeling it in my body, I give it a place to be outside my body. And then if I feel it, I'm like, oh yeah. And then I can like be with it and do with it what feels right. Or, you know, if I can, mm-hmm. you know, and then if not, I can be like, oh, let me set this back out in that space again and, you know, come back to it. So that's been a practice I've been doing for probably like a few months now, mm. like letting it be outside my space so I can do other things. And um, noticing like a difference in my body where I feel more relaxed. I feel more aware. I think that when I was experiencing what I want to call like acute grief, <laughs> which is like when I was really like in it and the, the, the losses that I was experiencing had been, they were very fresh still, like that there wasn't really, it was just like a constant um like an ache in my body and a thought would bring me to tears um it was it was like a part of me Mm. and now I feel like it is a part of me and it can live outside of my physical and energetic space sometimes Mm. Mm. that's so beautiful yeah the as as I listen to you talk about like pulling the grief out or letting a letting really like allowing the grief to be outside of your body. I'm thinking about a practice that I often do with my clients, which is to, you know, locate the grief and then sort of physically pull it out, right? And like notice how it feels in the hands and notice what you want to do with it. And I'm wondering what that looks like for you in terms of letting it be outside of your body. Like what's the difference for you? Well, you, you nailed it with allowing. Allowing is a huge part of my like spiritual practice and like my meditation mm. where I'm like allowing energy to release. And I do it in like with like a grounding cord, like noticing the energy or like noticing the base of my spine, my first chakra mm-hmm. and allowing like, um, a line of energy to go to the center of the planet and even that it's not like efforting to make that happen it's it's like imagining it and then so you know with the grief I don't necessarily want to send it down to the center of the planet because like (laughs) Mm -hmm. maybe it's my energy but I also feel that we can experience collective grief we can experience other people's grief Mm -hmm. so for me imagining the grief outside of me is again I I imagine it as like an image or you can imagine it's like an orb or you know something a color Mm -hmm. so imagining grief as a color maybe like a lovely blue (laughs) and it's just out there and then that grief actually can have its own grounding down to the mm-hmm. center of the planet. It can kind of just be out there on the, uh, like on the other side of my aura. So I imagine my aura is all around me. It's just kind of out there and it can be grounded down and, um, and that I can be grounded myself. Mm. So, you know, that was not a practice I would say that was very um, easy for me to do when I was in the midst of all of it. 
it's much easier now. Um, does that answer your question? Totally. Yeah, I mean, early grief, acute grief, like whatever it is for you, it that's what's so hard about it, right? Is that it 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 at the beginning it is us. Like it does feel like us. It doesn't really feel like there's any separation between the grief and, and, and any other part, right? It's just all sort of mixed in together. Um, and I think that that, in my experience, and often what I see with my clients is that the difficulty with allowing or like separating or loosening the hold on the grief um, is oftentimes really wrapped up in a fear of like, if I'm not feeling all of it all the time, then maybe I'm not grieving or like maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe my connection will be gone, like whatever the fear is. And so I'm, I would love to hear you share a little bit about sort of how you arrived at this practice and um, yeah, maybe take us on a little journey from like this acute grief, whatever you want to share about it to, to where you are now. Yeah. Um... I thought, what is the saying? Like, it's let, letting go is easy. It's the holding on that's hard. Yeah. Like, not wanting to let go. Mm -hmm. You know, you had one of the questions, like the little prep question, questions to ponder. <laughs> like, what did I learn from my grief? Um, it was really... For me, like my relationship with my relationships with the ones that I lost, what I learned in all of that was that like I I had to let I had to let them go because that's what they wanted to do. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and right now I'm speaking primarily of my darling dog Fizz and my grandmother who died about six months apart in 2020. And then for extra credit, I had a, an abortion right in between. So um, 2020 was clearly not enough for me, just as it was <laughs> with the pandemic. I, I, More. I went all the way. I went hard in 2020. Um, so. <laughs> Spirit really drove you to something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was like, oh, everyone thinks the world feels like it's collapsing. Let me take advantage of all this. And uh, mm. uh, so I believe that my original experiences were just full of shock. Mm. Um, in the year or so prior to everything happening, I was like on call. I would wake up and I would go check to see if my dog was still breathing. And then I would go check my phone to see if there was a call or a message about my grandmother. Mm. So they were kind of on this trajectory together, paralleling toward, mm. you know, and, and these are also like deaths we expect, right? Mm -hmm. Our pets, our grandparents. Mm -hmm. um, these are you know, not to be all hierarchical about what, what death is easier or whatever, you know, um, but it's like, yeah. And when I found my dog, Fizz, he was already old. I had him for seven years. He's old the whole time. So, um, 
Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of my life just pre grieving mm-hmm. and holding that space of taking enough care of myself so I could get out of their way and allow them to take their step, even though that's not what I wanted, <laughs> you know? Yes. So, and then, yeah, like being able to make energetic separations from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was so interesting, Grace, because I found that dog seven years prior, the same day that my grandfather had a heart attack and then he died the next day. So the whole seven year period between my grandfather dying and then my grandmother dying, I had this old man dog. Um, So he was just really a big part of my relationship with my grandparents. And there's a whole other many things I could say about that. Mm -hmm. Maybe a different podcast, but um, (laughs) uh, yeah, he, he was a really important teacher to me in like growing up and um Mm. so and I made the decision to have a vet come to the house and on the back porch we decided to to put him down and I never thought I would do that but I could see that that was the right choice to make Mm. and then like the next day I was like is my grandma gonna die now (laughs) you know Mm. because it was like okay um and then yeah like the week after that is when I was uh when I when I conceived accidentally and um I was deeply grieving my dog and I was quarantining in my house and again just kind of on call waiting to hear from my family I'm in Los Angeles and my grandmother I'm from I grew up in Pittsburgh, so that's where my grandmother was. And mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, I, I had a menstrual extraction at seven weeks. And then eight days later, my grandma did finally mm-hmm. go. And um, yeah, it was, it was like, well, which which grief do I want to grieve today? It was like, you know, dealer's choice, (laughs) which, um, which piece of heartache to pick up and process. And, you know, when I, so clearly, what, what, as if we can even separate it. So, so clearly, right. Exactly. And, um, so I, yeah, I was just kind of in it. That was in, oh my gosh, that was almost exactly two years ago. Wow. Um, so yeah, for most of the following winter, I was, you know, every day crying about one thing or the other. And I think the hardest part of it was just not having my spiritual community to be with in person. We were doing a lot of stuff online, but like not being able to see my friends and my colleagues and my teachers regularly as I've been doing for many years you know, going to a different place where the energy is set so that I can like focus on healing myself and giving to myself. Like that's what I had grown accustomed to in terms of my psychic work. And um, I'd also moved to a new house. So I was like in a totally different life. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that, that first year, it was all just, I was like in the mud. I was just swimming through like thick, 
<laughs> energy. But I think I also was like doing a good job of, I mean, that's how I ended up meeting you, you know, and like communing with other women about these things, about grief and really, you know, I was quite alone for the first several months and would say I was not in, I did not receive adequate care. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was another part of the grieving process as well. Like kind of feeling quite alone and, um, misunderstood and, and yeah, the shock I think is also what kind of kept my body in it. Um, like I would experience the grief in like my chest, just so this weight on my chest or my jaw would just be so tight. And I wouldn't even realize that I was holding all this tension in my jaw. And then I would be like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I would like relax and, and I would release my jaw and then I would just cry and cry and cry. Um, you know, and I think a lot of us felt like we lost friendships or relationships during the pandemic. A lot of us did. And I really felt like I did too. Cause I mean, I think in general, we're not very well equipped as a society to tend to grief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was pretty messy. So yeah. Um, but yeah, what helped me was again, like being able to find places that were safe to speak about what I was going through. And, you know, the womb room was a space like that really helped me and working with some other womb like mentors started helping me get access to just different resources and I feel like a lot of it was time you know mm-hmm. time and um, yeah and and I think and maybe you can relate to this as a practitioner but like I will I have these goals to teach classes and to do all these things and it's like well, we're online like I want to teach my meditation classes I want to do things and I started and I would get revved up and then I would be like, oh, like it was, it was cute. I looked back at like my Instagram page and it was like <laughs> a post about my dog dying. And then it was a post about my grandmother dying. And then maybe like one more post about something else. And then it was like, I'm starting a school. And I was like, oh, <laughs> good job. Like I validate myself like, oh, Nicole, you know, like, yeah. oh. you know I really wanted to like just get my life going again and um and I think too like losing my grandmother there were a lot of things that happened with my family's processing with communication with uh, I should say with miscommunication with being on the other side of the country like it wasn't like she passed away and everyone just grieved lovely and it was just this you know end of a cycle like it was like an ongoing series of things that um really hurt like it it kept hurting you know yeah kept hurting and um but through that parts of how I was able to make separations was like really allowing myself to like love my family anyways Mm. and validate that like I have them as my family in this lifetime and though we are different and I feel many of their ways are becoming more and more foreign to me Mm. uh, I get to grieve how I grieve and I get to see things how I see things and just validate that and I can validate them for how they do it Mm. Uh, and that also helped me I think like 
move through the energy of all of it instead of resisting everything. There's like two threads that I want to pull from that and we can just start and see where it goes. One of them is the, uh, I'm, I'm hearing that like there are these elders that died. And one of the hardest thing about not having elders is like there's less anchoring, I think there's like a there's less sort of holding us and reminding us and like teaching us and showing us what to do right and that mixed with the loneliness of not having community and people around um is far too common And I'm also thinking about the peace of grieving these, a dog and a grandmother who, like you said, are expected deaths. And they're also very like socially acceptable deaths. There's like, right, like, and the grief of an abortion is not really, it's, it's usually quite a private loss and it's usually not witnessed by many people. Um, or even understood or accepted by many people. So I'd love to hear if there's anything that comes through in this moment about that. What is it like to carry those two, like a sort of public and private or, you know, normalized, rejected, like however, whatever language feels good for you. Um, yeah, like integrating all of that grief. Yeah. Well, yeah, my grandmother was my last grandparent Mm. and my grandparents were like parents to be. Both of my parents are the youngest of many siblings and I'm the oldest. Mm. And um, I'm also like an Aquarius. So Aquarius is like, I always always have felt like a grandma. I'm like, I don't really know if I want to be a mom. I'm like ready for grandmahood though, for sure. (laughs) You've been been here a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So when my grandmother passed away, I felt orphaned. Yeah. You know, like I, I, you know, and, and then also my grandmother taught me how to take care of myself, thus allowed me to take care of my dog. So yes, that, that kind of like passing on the care, um, I felt unsafe in my family without my grandmother there. Mm-hmm. My family is very, there's a lot of men <laughs> and um and my grandmother was the the female leo and oftentimes she and i were the only women the only females and all of the, our male family members so then she was gone and i was like <laughs> <laughs> um and because she had been ill for so long um and people knew, you know, people in my community knew mm-hmm. that, she, that that was happening. And um, I did get such great support from a friend of mine that was like, 
it's your grandma. Like, of course you're having emotions. Like, of course, you know, I, I, I think I thought I shouldn't, you know, again, as a practitioner, like I should be handling this better or differently, or I shouldn't be this upset. Like there was all these shoulds in there. And then the same with the dog, like, well, I put him down. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, people are far more likely to send condolences and stories of, you know, my dog and, mm-hmm. and I couldn't even, I, I felt really isolated that I couldn't even share the experience that I was having with ending, with releasing my pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for the people that I could be really honest with, one of whom is my mother, which, I mean, she helped me tremendously mm-hmm. and my sister. Um, so that was a gift um but I realized very quickly that even people in my closest circle like didn't have didn't have a way to show up Mm. and I mean I remember you know I I was under the care of a person who recommended that I do a full postpartum 40 days of bed rest after Mm -hmm. which I mostly did um but we were also then having like fires burning around Los Angeles and I couldn't even go outside. Mm. And so I was just like in my room, in my bed. And I did have like a couple friends come, you know, like twice to be with me. Um, one of whom had similar experiences. And like, that's when I saw like to the internet and found some helpful, you know, like podcasts and Mm -hmm. I did also seek like um support from a a midwife Mm -hmm. who I did go person and she was really encouraging and lovely um and you know but I I really felt like I needed people that I could talk about it with and I also like didn't really experience grief I was very sad for what my body went through because it was challenging on a physical level I was very, I was very certain energetically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I was like, this is the step I need, but my body, Mm -hmm. my body, I was sad for what my body experienced. And it wasn't until the month after when I had my period again, that my body, I was like, my body is grieving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like my body is grieving. Mm. My body through something and I did not feel secure to tend and care for my body Mm. in in like a intentional way Mm. it was kind of like picking up the pieces and doing my best but it was incredibly hard and um and yeah I felt like I had to be super anonymous Mm -hmm. about it Mm-hmm. And so I would talk a lot about my dog and my grandma where I could like fit it in yeah. so I could express what I was going through in a more socially acceptable way. But it was also like me trying to address the, you know, the super duper deep, dark secret <gasps> of my pregnancy release, which is actually an amazing story and something that I can almost feel um good about (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
getting there. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a powerful, like, um, differentiation that you're speaking to of, like, I am grieving these people in my body, and my body is grieving this thing that I feel good about. <laughs> like, all of the, like, interwoven layers and spirals of that. Like, how can it be that my body is grieving, but I feel good about it in my heart it just is right it just is and it's, it makes so much sense utterly bittersweet because I was also so happy that I could make that choice for my dog yeah he's he was so loyal and so in the agreement with me like he would have just kept on mm. even though he had like <laughs> so many things going on with his health that it was like power like literally every couple hours I would go and check to see if he's still breathing like so I was really happy that I could do that for him and when I saw or and listened to the voicemail from my father telling that my grandmother had passed away I, I think my loud response was like oh she finally did it oh thank god like oh like I was just so relieved for them to be able to leave their bodies because yeah. their bodies were um their bodies were done with this lifetime their bodies were done with this they were ready for their next step and um and then you know to speak about like the the baby being the spirit the baby spirit that was hanging around me um that was not an agreement that i was interested in fulfilling mm -hmm. and in fact um, it produced in me a huge amount of discomfort and resistance. I was not in affinity with that agreement. Mm -hmm. it, was not, it was not a present time agreement for me. And when I ended that agreement and sent the baby being back off elsewhere, mm -hmm. I could have chosen to bring in a new agreement with a new baby spirit. And I already was resolved that I did not want to be grieving my dog and my grandmother while being pregnant. I didn't want that influence on a pregnancy. I didn't, I wanted to have a clearer time frame of grief where I wasn't, at, at, you know, tasked <laughs> to produce a healthy body for another being. I didn't feel like that was a responsible, um, or not even, I didn't feel it was responsible and, and also ultimately that is not what I wanted to do. Yeah. So um, another thing that happened was when I did have my first menstrual bleed after the procedure I had, um, which was a menstrual extraction, which I did not even know what that was until I found out about it and found out it was an option. And then I was like, that's the option for me. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, the, the next month when I had my first bleed, it was kind of, it was like birthing death. My blood was black. It came on in a, in a burst from my body. There was no blood, there was no spotting, and then it, it, it started quite abruptly, and it was another kind of like shock mm -hmm. that my body 
experienced. And earlier that day, we had found out that my partner's new niece or nephew was on its way. His sister-in-law was in labor. And I, my period started and I was in the bathtub for about an hour. And right before I got out, we received the text that his niece had been born. So at the same moment that I was birthing death, basically, this new little baby came into their family and and that is when my grief began. Yeah. I had I had no grief in the weeks prior to that about it, you know. So it was um I always call that it was like a heinous period. <laughs> And, and I laugh about it now, Grace, and that's not because I am uh, trying to make light of it or make it sound or appear differently than it was, but I literally use amusement as a spiritual tool, mm-hmm. and I believe or I, I see that I see that being able to use amusement is the best and most potent way that I've been able to heal from a number of uh, challenges in my life. So I think that it's quite possible that even in that bathtub that I was, ha ha ha, (laughs) I was having fake amusement. um, And like that my body really responds to that and my grief appreciates that too, you know? Mm -hmm. To be able to find a way to change and transmute the energy through levity has honestly been the most impactful thing for me in my whatever 20 18 years of spiritual dedication mm-hmm. yeah tell us how how spirit comes into your your grief what is that communion you I believe that I am spirit I believe that the essence of me I I am energy without time or space and I I have the uh, beautiful privilege of having this gorgeous bod anchoring me to the planet in this lifetime Mm -hmm. and I see that you know, as spirit, I, I've had many, many lifetimes and in pretty, in, in all of them, I died. <laughs> so I see that, you know, as spirit, I have this information mm. about how to walk through these things as a human, as a human being with, with this body. And so you know, it's not about an intellectual understanding or even about needing to have an experience to like know it. I just, I see that as spirit, I, I've had like every kind of experience you could imagine. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is true for all of us, but I'm speaking for myself. So my interest or my intention is to be able to utilize that information that I have so that I can like 
be with grief and like ultimately like create the way I would like to die and you know that's something one of my teachers said that was presented to him like when he first started on a spiritual path and I don't know if I remember it correctly but it's basically like how do you want to take your next step in pain or suffering or with enthusiasm right mm -hmm. and your next step being ending the cycle with this body or whatever it may be but yeah how do you want to die in pain and suffering or with enthusiasm for your next step mm -hmm. and when I see death happening like what I did and learned with my dog and my grandmother was again like not getting in their way and cheering them on even as my tears fell you know it's like that movie big fish yeah. how they're cheering at yeah. the end oh god like always yeah yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just popped in my head because it's like you know, can I be in, in celebration and enthusiasm for how people choose? Definitely not all the time. Um, but maybe I can work to getting there. Hmm. And, you know, my, my other grandmother, um, my mom's mom, she wrote in memoirs about herself as the spirit that came to be known <laughs> as Kay mm. had a female body in this lifetime and she spoke in the same way of like this is just a cycle with a body and like we as spirit are mm. you know, eternal so how can I truly make the best of this lifetime and just take advantage mm -hmm. of what's here for me and also like i think behind grief there's so much creative potential that we have um so i think it's like or i see it as like really being able to give to my body so that like the emotions because i also see that like emotions are the way that our body communicates with us yeah. So like if I can really like be with my body and be with my emotions and just let it be what it is and let it be real and let myself experience it that like like I take care of my body my body takes care of me or I communicate with my body my body communicates with me like we can be <laughs> in communication mm. so yeah Mm -hmm. so there's something about the the essence of you the essence of the spirit that is embodied right now that gives space it sounds like for the allowing of your grief the allowing of all of your emotions yeah, because I also see it like, you know, what what we resist persists. Mm -hmm. The universe doesn't really hear like a like a no or a not. Like 
<laughs> like in terms of like pregnancy, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll speak from my experience. I feel like I resisted that baby being right on in yeah. um, because I so very much did not like the way that I felt pressured to bring on the next generation. Mm. I was so much resistance to that because it brought with it many feelings of discomfort that I did not want to feel. So I was resisting those feelings. I was resisting the pressure. (sighs) I was resisting the way my grandmother's care was. Um, Or I was just like resisting how my family was reacting to her, taking her step. Like I was just resist. I was resisting the pandemic. I was resist. I was I was the resistor of 2020. And so I feel like when I resisted all that, it did it. It like laid out the red carpet and invited in mm. things that I did not want. <laughs> and so, mm. you know, give myself for that. I can have amusement about it. I mean, it's, it is like, <laughs> it's so clear to me. Um, and like, it's okay, you know? it's okay Mm. that it happened Mm. and it's okay how I experienced it and how I showed up for it I feel like every first like online session we had in the womb room I was just crying every single time Mm. (laughs) like just weeping and sharing and just feeling like so, so vulnerable and so in need. And also like feeling like it wasn't okay to take up that space, you know? Um, Yeah. I love being able to talk about it now because it feels like resolved and it feels like giving to myself now what I needed then and Mm. I do feel quite dedicated to, and that's a you know a reason that I wanted to speak today and share about these things because I do feel very dedicated to for providing space space for people to talk about this stuff and yeah, you know to to be. I, I went one time during this and I to a friend who gives readings and I was like I need a reading on my grief. <laughs> And she was like, mm, how about we give you a creativity reading? And I was like, okay, you know, cause it was like, again, like behind our grief is this creative potential for mm. a different, or not even, even a different, but like a, for a healing, for us to heal ourselves. Mm. And I feel like that's what I did. Went around it in a pretty long, arduous way, but that's okay. Sure. Yeah. That's definitely been true for me too. And definitely for, you know, pretty much all the people I guide that I think there really is this like, it feels like an unlocking in my body. Like that, like you're kind of like chiseling, like, I don't know, I'm like rubbing my chest right now with my fist and it feels like kind of like chiseling into the bone almost. But behind that, like behind the rib cage, maybe even like within the body, right? Is that, yeah, that source of whatever, whatever wants to be created, whatever needs to be created. I was wondering. Oh, go, go. Keep going. 
Well, it also just made me think like another thing that I was grieving during that is like playing music and singing. Mm. Like a big part of how I like experience my life and like things in my life feel real is like I write a song about it. Even if it's like one song I play one time and I never remember it, or it's a song I play in front of people. Like, and that's something like that also like was not happening. Like that being able to get that like open with myself and that that raw and vulnerable and like get that out into a song like that did not happen and I felt so pent up and um you know like that's like another way that I release and process and you know emote and make sounds and use my body as an instrument um for sound and oh that's like another another part of that which mm. I felt like something is missing like I'm not really experiencing this if I'm not doing it in this way mm. you know so like that was like another piece of just feeling a lack and feeling a loss mm. mm-hmm. yeah I love that movement you just did it's like arm opening chest open heart open yeah like it's not is it like if if you believe which not everyone does but if you believe that like our our art is our life how can grief invite us open right to that expression that yeah as an artist and like what is yeah (laughs) where is that where's the art part of this Mm. this pain Mm. um you know and I and I can see how like and I was using my creativity in other ways you know Mm -hmm. setting up home setting up my life like um but yeah that's another big piece of it for me oh the other thing that happened during this time which I thought was funny was I had so many people that I was giving readings to that were like, oh yeah, like my, you know, my, my father just passed away or I just lost, you know, like, I was like, oh my God, I'm like the death reader now, like all my, (laughs) and of course I'm not really like sharing my experiences with anybody, but um, that was like another thing, like getting to, that's another huge thing that helped me process my own was like looking at how it was affecting and impacting other people and how they were moving through it and how they were able to utilize their own creativity for their healing and to make medicine from it right and so that was like another piece that I I I had amusement about and like a lot of like I'm like well this is obviously like what I need you know like I'm putting out what I need and then and then I'm receiving it so (laughs) totally people can definitely tell whether or not they're aware of it but like (laughs) this is the person I can talk about it yeah yeah this person has a broken heart right now so let's talk about it I was giggling earlier because I was like oh my gosh how am I going to talk about grief today because it was like all I could talk about for two years, you know, whatever. And now that it's not, you know, like now that I've been doing the practice of having it outside my space and I feel more 
on the other side of things and I've taken yeah. many actions and absorbed so much information. Like I've just done so many things. I was like, how am I even going to go there? <laughs> Isn't that so funny? It's, I, I've like, even, even though like my, all my work is grief, I still have those days too, where I'm like, like, I don't think, I don't think this is here for me right now. I don't think like this is accessible. And it's like, no, it's always, <laughs> it's always there. Yeah. Because you know, death is not the opposite of life. Death is a part of life, right? And like you and me and everyone we know, like we're all gonna do it. <laughs> so how do we how do we wanna do it? And how do we wanna help other people do it? And like you know, I, I shared with you before we re recorded about the loss of my cousin. Mm-hmm he was he was he was missing for five days after there was an incident and his friend had been murdered mm -hmm. and I was pretty certain that he was just hiding somewhere because he was going to get in trouble and my mother was like no like my mom had a pretty good feeling that was not the case and for five days, you know, we were just, again, this is back in Pennsylvania, so I'm in LA, mm -hmm. but my family went to the scene of the crime and they asked neighbors for help and, you know, they were calling his name. And I went to my teachers because I was having this like horrible pain mm. in my right, like shoulder, collarbone area. And I just couldn't move through it I didn't know what it was I was you know at like energetically like in Pennsylvania looking for my cousin I was very early in my training so I didn't totally understand what was happening mm. but we did find out the day after my family went and looked for him that he had been shot and he had jumped over a fence and so he was finally found and we were told that he was shot in that same part of his body mm. where I had been experiencing all of that pain. And I was pretty weirded out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what I began to, to see is that like, hey, I, I, you know, I was experiencing his shock and his pain because sometimes as energetically sensitive people, that's what we do. <laughs> um, and I had a similar thing with my grandmother. She was, you know, laying in her bed and she couldn't speak and she couldn't move and she, mm. and, and I had like several weeks where I just felt under a weighted blanket everywhere I went mm. and I and I did some you know, grounding meditation and did some other things I do to heal myself and I realized that it was her energy that I was experiencing and that's another thing to think about you know like how when it's people we love we want to take their pain away we want to take things on for them mm. and that my energy only works for me. Mm. 
and your energy only works for you and their energy only works for them and that in trying to take that on it is um not not always not always helpful for either person i don't think it was helpful for me to take that on except in that i learned that i do that <laughs> and i could see very clearly how that happened so um yeah those are just other things and like you know in the case of my cousin to you know he, I mean, he was a teenager and him and his you know his friend I mean, they were 18 and 16 years old so you know and I and I did psychic work with him and communicated with him after you know the funeral and tried to help him make separations from this lifetime so that he could go as spirit and receive healing and maybe try again. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, you know, the, the shock of that and then the reverberations through my family and what that has done and in the apps, the very clear absence um, that we, that we experienced with him being gone. His name is Dane. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, just, I feel that my job is to observe, to see, and to do my best to send hellos um, so that everyone can like have their own healing. And, you know, it's like, we don't want to forget Dane or move past it, but again, like allow him to be in his next step, allow him to make separations from this lifetime if he can. And if, and if, he you know if he would like mm -hmm. as you talk I'm really struck by the clarity of what you're speaking like the this is what it is it's okay this is what happened I know this is what happened like you there's a knowing that you're not unsure about that you're not um questioning and i will just invite anybody who's listening to give yourself that same level of love and grace that nicole is expressing that like um whatever however we deal with it however we go through it it's okay like whatever lessons we get from it are meant to happen but whatever you're carrying just know that like you're doing the best you can you're doing what you need to be doing right now and whether or not it felt like that at the time like this clarity that you're speaking with it now is just very palpable and powerful yeah i think when the emotions are high and when the body like is still experiencing it like that like i think i had the clarity but then with the clarity, there was also like judgment and fear and like other things attached. Yeah. And now, you know, on the other side, <sighs> yeah, it feels, it feels really good to have my certainty. And one of the greatest gifts also is that like, that doesn't have to be true. <laughs> for other people, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be true for my family. You know, when, when I had a death, 
years ago, my grandfather, um, this woman shared um, that when family losses happen, every member, every remaining member of the family, it's like they have on pants that are too long and everyone's stepping on each other's um, like too long pant legs. <laughs> like everyone's stepping and no one can move. And I was like, yes, yes, I feel that, you know? And I have really big families on both my mom and dad's sides. And it's so interesting how when these big things happen, it just erupts all the stuff. Yeah. Um, yes. So I really had to like, ride the waves with that and like allow them to do what they were doing even though sometimes it really hurt me or it made me angry or I felt like it made it worse you know my dad and I like got in an argument <laughs> I don't remember what he said I was like oh I'm sorry I'm not grieving in a way that makes you comfortable you know like <laughs> yeah, of course. yeah but like that's the thing of like we do you know, or we can I can hold for them what they're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And also be like, yeah, I don't really wanna hear an anecdote right now. <laughs> That's not where I'm at. And, um, but if someone's in the place where they wanna give an anecdote and make light, you know, um, that, that was some really tricksy territory for me to be in. Um, and again, it was like pandemic. So people weren't traveling. It was, you know, August, 2020. Mm. my grandma's funeral mm. like that's not something I thought would ever be a thing mm. <laughs> but that's what happened so also like not grieving with my family even though I was really annoyed with all of them it was also like another conflict of like well I can't stand y'all but you're the only people I want to be with right now mm. you know it's like yeah. so I guess that's the other thing like grief doesn't make sense Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's yes. That's really big medicine that I really want people to take on, to take in that like everyone doesn't have to be on the same page. Like <laughs> it's okay for you to have your experience and a different family member to have their experience and whatever, whoever else to have their experience. And none of them have to necessarily like um I mean they may naturally like have some conflict between each other but they don't have to cancel out each other they can all just be true at the same time mm -hmm. exactly. yeah and that's one of my biggest things that I could move through and like forgive my family and forgive my judgment you know it's this funny like spiritual competition like no like I'm right about how I'm seeing this. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's like, yeah, I am for me. And right. like, just like getting to own that for myself. I'm just like rubbing my chest right now on my neck. Like getting to own my own experience, what I saw my grandma going through, what I saw my dog going through, like what I saw my family, how I saw my family reacting in whatever ways they were like, you know, <laughs> like just really being able to like look at what I as like a I, I'm a I'm a psychic minister right so what I can look at from that space of 
spiritual centeredness, awareness, seniority, you know, seniority means like I'm not in battle with how other people are mm. believing or experiencing it means like I'm able to say hello, you know, I see what you're doing. Yes, this is what you're doing. Um, you know, wh whether or not I'm speaking to them directly, but it's like, I can just witness, see it and like take care of myself. Mm. Mm. And ground more deeply into how I, how I do it my way. Mm -hmm. I just got your email and your Instagram, your spiritual hello. That's because I just clicked for me. <laughs> Well, I wanted it to say, I wanted it to be hello as spirit, but it, then it looked like hell ass spirit. Like, <laughs> so I was like, well, that won't work. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not that. Spiritual hello sounds a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah but that's what it is. Saying hello to you as spirit. Mm -hmm. So not your body, actually. And like not your past and not your family and not your grief, but you as spirit. And that like what I was referring to earlier, like that, those lifetimes of information that you have that you can get access to. So you can create your life according to that. Mm. And then it's like, we don't have to look outside of ourselves. We certainly can to extract information and understanding and connection or whatever, but we also can look to our own information and our own healing ability and our own energy. And, um, and for me, I find it's, there's, it's not like there's less conflict in my life, but I feel like I can move through it and benefit from it rather than being the effect of everything mm. and holding it in my body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, our bodies are brilliant. They let us know in subtle ways and sometimes not so you know as spirit hearing that listening to that doing what we can mm -hmm. can you clarify for people who may not sort of have this orientation um what you said earlier about like the resistance of all of this grief or the resistance of all of these things that were happening to you and how that sort of laid or invited in things that were hard. Like, can you kind of walk us through that connection that you see? Yes. <laughs> um, one moment. Okay. I see resistance on an energy level as um, there's a lot of effort involved. I'm resisting, I don't wanna feel it, I don't wanna look at it, I don't wanna remember it, and like, don't want it, I don't want this experience. But I also believe that things come up for us to release them so we can heal. So if I'm resisting this painful, I mean, I'll, I'll use it in the example of like I mentioned with feeling like I was being pressured to have a child brought up for me the energy of feeling pressured to allow things to happen to my body that I didn't want to happen, you know, like mm -hmm. 
being raped. Mm -hmm. So I was resisting the feeling of my body being violated and not wanting to sit with, oh, my body is feeling this. Oh, I'm freaking out. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, also just feeling like, no, this is very bad timing for me to revisit like that trauma, you know? Like my dog and my grandma are dying. We're in a pandemic. I just moved to a new place. Like not a good, not good timing, you know, mm. but it was all, it was all connected actually, you know, it was all kind of this, I, I was moving in the direction. And in fact, being pregnant helped me get to a lot of that energy that mm -hmm. I wouldn't have necessarily been able to get at maybe or who knows so I feel like I benefited anyways but the resistance piece was making it bigger mm -hmm. I don't want to feel this I don't want to feel this I don't want to feel this but I actually wanted to heal that my intention was to move through that my intention was mm -hmm. to be able to address that and the way that you know I was being pressured and the person that was pressuring me so of course that's not how they saw it you know um but it uncovered all of these kind of forgotten memories or experiences I had mm -hmm. and those needed to come out those needed to get out of my space they needed to leave my body they needed to go they don't, they're not happening now, um, but they were very uncomfortable to recall and increase the feeling of isolation and rage and all of the things that I experienced. And perhaps if I would have taken some different action and not been in resistance, mm -hmm. I could have moved that maybe without having to have a pregnancy. Maybe with, you know, being able to have more care for myself and my body. Um, I want to be using care when I speak because I don't want to invalidate myself. But I could see that resisting what had happened to me when my body was violated mm. kind of almost allowed me to then not be taken. Like I left my body and I wasn't taking care of my body. Mm, yeah. So if I wasn't resisting those violation memories mm -hmm. and was able to address them with whatever meditation support, you know, whatever medicine I could um, acquire for myself, um, you know, I could have moved through it in a different way. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, the resistance as as amplification. Yes. I resisted it. The more um, I'm just thinking of like you know a snowball. <laughs> the yeah. more it snowballed and, and it got bigger and then it became this huge thing. But again, like I said, I feel like even in 2019, just every day, I watched that show Frasier and ate noodles. <laughs> the noodles my grandma used to make me and watched the show that she used to watch because I was like pre-grieving her yes and 
So it's kind of like, it was all just, you know, moving up to this. Like I was trying to move out of my apartment for a long time. I finally did like all this momentum, you know, moving to a head, you know, coming to a head and um, yeah. And it, and it felt very overwhelming. And I liked to fantasize like what would have happened if I wasn't on, like, I wasn't stuck in my house. <laughs> what would have happened if I was out and about and seeing my people and doing my life? Um, but that's not what was happening. So mm -hmm. call it a gift to the pandemic, Grace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to know for any of us. Not. What I'm hearing you say is that there, whatever it is, it's, it's still medicine. Yeah, and I think too, when we don't, that's another part of like being creative. How would I like to create my experience in saying goodbye to my dog? How would I like to create my experience of grieving my grandmother? Mm -hmm. How would I like to experience this shift in my life? Mm -hmm. And literally being the creator you know, and I, and I understand some people aren't interested in that. You know, I had a friend who I gave a reading to and she's like, mm, it's kind of like not knowing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not predicting your future. I'm looking at like what you are creating and, and that's like what you have in mind and what you could see yourself doing. And, you know, mm -hmm. so once I did find out I was pregnant, I did take steps to get into how I wanted to create that experience. Um, but I was also like not at home. I was somewhere else. I was not, I was thousands of miles away from home. <laughs> so I was out of my element and it was really a hard thing on my body. But when I had my menstrual extraction, I did it was like a ceremony and it was something where I was able to state my intention, but my intention was like literally to not be pregnant anymore. <laughs> right. right. And, um, you know, it was pretty basic. I was pretty, I, and I was also aware that like my, my body was really struggling and that it was probably going to be painful. And I told my body, like, I'm so sorry. Mm so sorry and I'll take care of you and I'll do my best and and we'll get through it you know and like that was that was the best of my creativity at the moment and you know I feel very equipped now with skills and tools and resources and ways of communicating that if I were in a situation like this or if I was around a person in a situation like this it would be very different. Mm -hmm. I do have a lot of gratitude. And sometimes it does still feel like, oh my gosh, was that me? Mm. <laughs> my life, did that happen to me? Mm -hmm. uh, happened to me. You know, a lot of, there was also like a lot of the like feeling victimized by everything, which sure. um, I think that's also like a cousin to resistance. You know, mm. it's a fine line. I don't want to like chastise myself for creating this thing. You know, 
I don't recommend that. Mm -mm. Uh, but maybe, yeah, when, when faced with discomfort that we want to push away, you know, if, if there's, you know, safety and security and support, maybe leaning into it. Mm -hmm. leaning, leaning into it and being creative. How would I like, how would I like to move through this? Mm. And that's another part where like the amusement can come in because, mm -hmm. you know, serious energy <laughs> can, can um, pause, stall, stop energy from flowing and moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's real medicine. There's such medicine and laughter and joy and pleasure and like in the midst of the grief like I think it it we we do absolutely need both um I heard somebody on a podcast it's a podcast about movies and he was like I I think that movies where it's just horrible like I think that's actually bad film because it's not what life is like there's always laughter there's always levity there's always balance in real life so I want to make movies that are like real life you know in that way um because it's true there's always that those they're not actually opposing they're just part of the same life you know the same body yeah. and I and I think that's the thing too about all of that it's like to be it's kind of like with those back-to-back -back, like grieving opportunities let's call them that <laughs> i <laughs> love that grieving opportunities sign me up yeah <laughs> i mean okay i'm getting side note but when my dog got the shot i i felt saw his energy leave his little dog body and he was free mm. and his energy was just like it was gorgeous and I really felt it Grace like I was like oh my gosh like that's real like he you know and he like swirled around those of us that were there and then mm. off he went and mm. yeah he was free and I was like that was cool I made the right choice and then I was going to circle back to whatever we just said. The levity and the, like, that, like, none of, none of this stuff is actually, like, in conflict with each other. Like, all these yeah. things, they're all just part. Oh, yeah. And I was going to speak to, like, just our multifacetedness and our ability to, like, hold all of that. And, you know, and I don't think it's one or the other either. Like, I don't think that if I can't grieve a certain way that I can't then not have a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that having the full spectrum of emotions and again, like having the clarity of what are my emotions and when am I being the effect of other people's emotions or when am I trying to take on other people's emotions? When are, you know what I mean? It's like to really like allow for judgment to, you know, drain out. Judgment can go down a grounding cord. Yes, mm -hmm. um, judgment can release because then it's yeah, 
it's a, it's a much more stable way for me to exist at least mm -hmm. um, and trusting that everyone is on their path and um, you know operating within the information they have yeah and like there was like one point I called two of my family members that were caregiving for my grandmother and I just got off the phone with them and I was like man these people really love me and mm. like I really felt that mm. and I feel like I'm learning more and more about how to be you know we say sovereign a lot it's not usually a word I use for myself I, I have more use of the word seniority mm. autonomy right but like seniority again means that like i just comfortably be myself without molding to what others are doing or not doing mm -hmm. my, my mm. grief opportunities allowed me to really yeah do that create mm. my my own grief alters, my own grief practices, like doing this is a part of that, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are grieving, they're like, I don't ever want to talk about that, <laughs> and share that, you know, mm -hmm. but for me, it's super helpful, healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the release out of your body. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you so much for your stories and your wisdom, Nicole. Is there anything else you'd like to share or name or call in before we close for today? Lastly, just, you know, I referred to my my grief of 2020 and 2021 as like going through a period of darkness and um it helped me tremendously to know that like I can have a phase of darkness and it doesn't remain um and now I would say I'm not in that phase of darkness right now but should I return I feel far more equipped um so yeah just that message to anyone that would describe <laughs> their circumstances, one of darkness, you know, the moon goes through a dark phase every cycle. We can do that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's just a part of it. Mm. Yeah. There's wisdom and teaching and, yeah, just life in the, in the darkness too. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Is there anything coming up or any offerings that you have that you'd like to share with the good people? Good people, absolutely. I am available to provide spiritual counseling, which is a less intense way of saying a psychic reading <laughs> but spiritual counseling really is like me taking a look at where you are in relationship to your body mm -hmm. you need to be more in your body and more with your body 
and it can be, you know, any, any topics or questions. I do work with, um, for menstrual care, offer ceremonies, the menstruation support one is called the blood witch ceremony, which you have a menstrual cycle, whether you're bleeding or not, there's some potent support I have available. Mm -hmm. And I also do pet readings, animal communications. Like if you go on my website, you can see pictures of Fizz. He was the original inspiration mm -hmm. <laughs> for offering pet readings because he was an enigma of a dog. And he was a Pekingese. He was hilarious. <laughs> um, he was the OG inspiration. But yeah, the pet readings, I love doing that, looking at relationships that people have with their animals and um, you know, and I've helped a lot of people who have animals that are getting at the end of their life and getting ready to take their next step. And I've done, you know, um, funerary services for animals mm. and people actually <laughs> one person, more animals than people thus far. Um, but I do offer ceremonies as well. Um, weddings and personalized ceremonies for things like that. So Hmm. Mm. Beautiful. I'll link um, all of that in the show notes. So anyone who wants to can take advantage. Thank, Thank you, you so yeah. much for, for you, <laughs> for sharing space and for coming on this podcast. So much gratitude. Yay. Thank you, Grace. I love you. I love this podcast. I love what you're doing. Um, I look forward to more of what you're doing and doing more things with you. Mm -hmm. Happy grieving, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of love. Bye-bye. Thank you, dear listener, for going on this journey with me. Much gratitude to Beautiful Chorus and Naomi Westwater for the beautiful opening and closing music. If you resonate with this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a generous review and by sharing it with your communities. You can also join my Grief Village community on Patreon, where we have twice monthly Move Your Grief Circles, a monthly Q&A, and an ever-growing collection of meditations, practices, and other resources. Details to join as well as more information about my work are in the show notes. Thank you for your support. Until next time, have a soulful day.